If Cork's plan A breaks down, the plan B doesn't work at all. So Limerick have Cork's plan A down to a T. They can neutralise that and then Cork's plan B is just not working because they don't seem to have one. Subscribe to the Hurling Pod feed on the OTB Sports app now. Now we won't be able to focus on every game from the weekend, but it is worth mentioning for sure. It was an extraordinary one in Leinster. Wexford, third from bottom in Division 4, beat Offaly by three points. They scored 1-7 without reply in the second half. They'll play Dublin in the quarterfinal next weekend. Shane Roach, 34 years of age, replaced Paul Galvin and seems to have done a great job. John Mon, incredibly gracious afterwards, said Wexford fully deserving of the win. Then we had Wicklow scoring just the 5-15 against Leash. Ian Ockram, a six-point win there, also extraordinary. And Loud with Sam Mulroy to the fore, 5-10 on the scoreboard against Carlo. So a 15-points win. And they will play Kildare next week. So we'll get back to the Leinster Counties in due course. That caught the eye for sure. Yesterday then, in Castle Bar, it was live on TV. Galway survived a late onslaught. Mayo 16 points. Galway 114. Billy Joe Patton with us. Hey, Billy Joe. Good evening, Joe. Jeez, Mayo adore a qualifier, don't they? <laughs> well, I don't know, do they? But they find themselves in that situation. Uh, yes, is, is it is um, it like I, in the in the small print of the season ticket to Mayo fans? We, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. You're going to get bang for your buck here. Is this what's going on? Well, there's probably an element of that, but I, I think it's you know, who, name a county that recovers uh, quicker from defeat. Uh, and somebody will say, well, they've had a lot of practice, but uh, they do. They have shown in the past that they've been able to recover from, from defeats and get a run together and get momentum. And they are a team that needs momentum and they can build upon that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yesterday they weren't able to do that. And you have to give Galway credit uh, in the key moments of the game, the big moments, they were the better team. They could have up to six weeks here, Mayo, before their next game, which is in effect time for a whole new preseason, and they can regather and regroup and go again. And as you said, history suggests that they will. On Galway, in the celebrations at full time amongst players and certainly Pork Joyce and management, I think we got a glimpse of how important this game was for Galway. Yes, I think that the qualifiers, just maybe to start on that point, will be totally different this year. There's, you know, with the Charlton Cup, you're not maybe going to get a very favourable draw. Every game is going to be tough and it will be hard to get a bit of a run that maybe you could get if you, you know, you, you got a, a favourable draw early on. From Goa's point of view, I think they identified that they needed to win this game. It'll be important for them if they win a Connacht title. Uh, Porrick Joyce in particular, they've lost the last couple of times to Mayo. James Horn's record against Galway is exceptional. Um, the way that Galway have played against Mayo in the last couple of Championship Mountains has been quite poor. They've been physically dominate, dominant, dominated. And I think that you saw Porrick Joyce kind of well, go back a bit to the Kevin Walsh playbook of you know being defensively solid, frustrating Mayo, and then relying on your big players, players with real high skill level to have big moments in the game. And you saw that with the freeze from Walsh. You saw Paul Conroy being dominant in this, you know, being important in the second half in terms of kicking some valuable scores. Um, he's a player that's in real top form and he showed great character because he didn't have his greatest half in the first half. Uh, and then Comer was a menace throughout wherever he was on the field. He's such a complete footballer, so physical, so powerful, great ball carrier as well. So, he got exactly what he wanted, Porrick Joyce, in that his three big players all made valuable contributions at the right time and they defended pretty well as a group for the most part. Yeah, so 114 Galway, they're going to have to defend well with that scoreline. You know, 20 points, you suspect, is, is absolutely a target Mayo try and hit. In Kieran Malloy and Dylan McHugh, and 
you alluded to it. Uh, Walsh had two sweepers, so it was more of a Kevin Walsh style uh, effort here to curtail Mayo as opposed to just, well, we'll go out and, and have a shootout. And those two seemed very effective. And, and, and what's more, too often in the modern game, you see sweepers just sweep and never actually make contact. And we might talk about our man a minute's time not making contact enough with Donegal uh, forwards. Malloy and McHugh really picked their moments and, and went in and attacked ball when it was near them. They did and they drove up the field when they got the opportunity as well. I think Galway probably were maybe a bit overzealous in their tackling early on or particularly in that second quarter of the game where they gave away a couple of frees and that kind of gave Mayo a bit of momentum in that period of the game. I think from Galway's point of view, I think they'll look back and think that they can defend even better. I think they can definitely counter-attack better. Um, They were really, really good for the opening 15-minute period and the, the, the players that I just mentioned the big names were obviously important in that but Kieran Malloy got, got forward as well that that was hugely important you know McHugh, Glynn they all got they all got forward and, and participated um, but I think that from from Galway's point of view I think that it's a positive victory anytime you win in a championship game but there are loads of areas where they can improve upon I think they can defend better I think that they, Mayo had a lot of scoring chances all right they def, they were really clear and this is the most impressive thing for me about Goa's defensive game plan is they were saying to Mayo okay you can have your shots from the sideline you can have your shots out on the wings further out but we're not going to give you very many shots in and around the D we're going to defend that area really well and when you look back at it and see where Mayo were taking those shots from very few of them were in and around that scoring zone where the, there would be a high percentage conversion rate and that that was obviously something that Porrick Joyce focused on and it worked very well for them. And I think the dis- that discipline was the most impressive thing about their their defensive game plan. But you're right. Having those two sweepers in there gives you that option to do that because you always have an extra man that are able to put pressure on a Mayo attacker to shepherd him, push him away from goal at all times. And that's what they did very well. Mayo, from those, as you've explained, trickier positions, had a conversion rate of under 50%. Killian O'Connor did not have a good day with the freeze, which is probably very understandable when you consider his injury profile over the last year. There's bound to be serious rust there. Do Mayo have the forwards is the perennial question in some respects. Where are they on that front? Because yesterday would give you serious pause for concern or cause for concern. I think you have to look at it from the point of view that an attack is not just a, a six-man a six-man unit anymore. An attack is an overall game plan. And that even starts with the goalkeeper. And it's exactly what you do with all your players. When you see teams are defending with all 15 players and very often 13, 14, 15 players behind the ball, you, your attack has to be more than just your, your forwards. When I look at what Killian O'Connor did yesterday, considering his circumstances after such a long layout, I think you, know, you have to say that's a positive to be able yeah. to play the that for that that time just shows what a warrior he is when I look at some of the things that James Carr and Ryan O'Donoghue were able to do when they got decent ball into them I think you know James Carr was responsible for three points between a free and a couple of scores Ryan O'Donoghue I think maybe four points mm. and looked dangerous every time he got the ball I don't think you can question their ability on yesterday's performance what you can question though is is there an overarching attack plan that's a 15 man job to put these players in scoring or more advantageous positions more often than not. And as I mentioned, when you look at where Mayo were taking the shots from, they were pushed out wide. The thing that stood out for me, particularly in the first half, is when they would play the ball into Ryan O'Donoghue or Jason Doherty, who was in the full forward line in those early stages, Galway had so many men back, 
with the double sweeper that it was going to be very difficult for that first player to get a shot away mm. but what let Mayo down then there wasn't an option for a layoff quickly beside Jason Darty so that he could move the ball maybe seven eight yards to the left or right maybe that player would then have a shot it might take that the ball needed to be moved again for another player to have a shot and it's that sort of spacing that sort of coordination in the attack that has let Mayo down let Mayo down yesterday but when you look back at some of the league performances from not so long ago away in Kerry away in Tyrone the league final similar problems throughout mm. I, I get the feeling that they only lost by a point yesterday if they'd been able to get the ball to Ryan O'Donoghue and James Carr more often in front of the goals with a bit of support I think they would have had a much better day in an attacking sense Okay um, we'll turn to Ulster then. So Donegal, Armagh. This was a very interesting game. Armagh 5-4 up early on and then Donegal going to the break three points to the good. And there's that crucial period just after halftime where Reno O'Neill has the goal disallowed and Sean Patton makes a very good save from a agent Aidan Nugent uh, shot. So two goal chances and then quick Shane O'Donnell point through the heart of the Armagh defence, the McBrady goal and suddenly it's a seven point lead and it's game over, good night and then ultimately the result finishes up with a seven point uh, deficit. So you obviously would have a, a real feel for Armagh. This over McGinney's eight years, unfortunately for him, is becoming a trend now, these Ulster Championship matches not working out very well. Yes, I, I, no one can argue with the record. I think y- y- you have to point out at the start that I think Armagh are much improved, you know, based on their their league performance over the last couple of, couple of seasons. But again, on Sunday, probably the same issues let them down. I think there was a real absence of physicality in the middle of the field when it is necessary, when the ball is in the air, when they were under pressure under under their own kickouts, when they were forced to go along with their own kickout, they weren't able to pick up enough breaks they weren't able to win enough clean possession there and that just in, you know, put them under under severe pressure um, and some of the things that I was talking about in terms of Mayo and that coordination and attack you saw you didn't see any of that uh, from Armagh either Armagh generally are a bit more direct than many teams in Division 1 and that they're willing to kick the ball in it wasn't Reno O'Neill's best day they weren't able to get good long possession uh, you know kicks into him in space where he could put defenders under pressure and then when you this point the scores you pointed out from Donegal's point of view, where in the second half Donegal were much improved in terms of their coordinated play. The goal the McBurty goal is a really good example of that, where he has the wherewithal to realise where the space is, where his teammate is, play the pass, follow it up. That sort of one two combination play is how you is the only way you can create opportunities when you're playing against congested defences and it was a really, really good piece of play. Donegal in the second half, their counter-attack through the middle of the field, something they've done very well for a number of years, um, was very incisive, very direct, really cut Armagh to shreds. Mm. Understandably, because Armagh were under pressure with the wind, trying to claw back a deficit. Um, but I think the the main thing for me, the disappointment for Armagh, was that lack of phys- physicality, that lack of traditional midfield play on your own kickout, where you recognise at times that you will not be able to get a short kick out. The high behind camera that the BBC used on it was quite useful in, in watching it because Donegal were totally zonal, waiting, kind of baiting our man to go for these long kick outs to the wings. And when they did, they got three or four bodies there real quickly, punched it down, won it cleanly or were there for the breaks and our man are under pressure uh, straight away. Um, I think that um, you got to give Donegal credit in that regard that they were really aggressive throughout the full 70 minutes on, on the Armac kick out and it's, it's something that has hurt our man in some of the league games as well so it's obviously um, 
um, an area of weakness that Donegal wanted to attack. Mm. There were numerous instances where Armagh looked, if you were to press pause, in good shape and then Donegal ball carrier was able to go by one, if not two Armagh players and pop a pass or take a point. Generally, inter-county football, you get swallowed up if you even attempt that. Like It was even notable that the Donegal players were attempting that and even take the goal, like Shane O'Donnell must have bounced off two, three, four Armagh players and, you know, went away and came back again and, and the McBrearty goal it, it's a really good one too but it's still four versus two mm-hmm. like, there's a lot there that you'd look at and say God, this doesn't feel uh, tight enough at all be it the physicality or be it the organisation or maybe a combination of the two on our mass part I think in those situations it, it it is a combination of the two it's about communication about organisation and in some respects when you have numbers and you have the numerical advantage defensively you, you might think that you can t- not so much take a play off, but you might expect that maybe your teammate is going to do something and, and you try and do something else. When what's really important in those situations is that you as a, as a defender on your own right have to put pressure on the ball carrier. You have to ensure that you keep goal side of them. You have to delay them. Delaying is the key aspect of that. Don't let them inside. Delay them. Be physical. Don't always go for the killer dispossession where you're trying to knock the ball away instant because if you miss that, you're beaten in behind. And I think that sometimes are maybe too aggressive in that regard and trying to go for the turnover straight away where it's easier to go for the turnover when you know you have two or three bodies in and around the ball carrier and you know there's no escape route for him. So you have to have the patience to wait for your help. And in some instances, Armagh are nearly too aggressive in that regard. Now, I'm not saying that was the case in all those instances yeah. that you mentioned against Donegal, but there definitely was a lack of organisation as well, particularly when they had to go and chase the game with the wind. You know, Armagh, a really good team playing with the wind, uh, with the with the lead, um, and and chasing the game is a totally different. Uh, a task, particularly an Ulster Championship game like that, against a team like Donegal, who are so good at counter-attacking, and then have players like Michael Murphy, who can obviously direct traffic, direct counter-attacks with his, you know, he, he plays with his head up constantly, and players like Owen Ban, Gallagher, mm. Rhino, Dun- uh, Ryan uh, McHugh, and and their ability to counter-attack, and you saw them back to their best in that second half. Absolutely. Uh, there's a hesitancy in saying that we can uh, feel absolutely certain Donegal will be at their best in the next game. The last couple of years, I think, have, have just given everybody a uh, slight reticence on, on, on that point. So uh, what are you expecting from Donegal this season? Because, I mean, back to their best is pretty damn good. But how, will, how long will they be at their best is the question. Well, they have a lot of improving to do because I didn't think they were particularly good in the first half with the wind. Uh, um, they, they butchered a, a lot of chances. I, I, Manny kicks you know four or five into the goalkeeper's hands poor shooting bad wides really allowed Armagh to wait in the game and as you pointed out at the start if Armagh were able to score that goal at the start of the second half well then it might have been a totally different finish to the game and they would have been under real pressure so I think like many teams coming out of the COVID break for two years you see them putting patches of play or periods of play, good play together in a game 20 minutes here here or there the second half no doubt was impressive from Donegal but to win an Ulster title I'm not talking about anything that goes beyond that you have to be able to play for 70 minutes they haven't been able to do that in the last while and they need, there's, a, there's a, a, a quite a bit of improving to do OK Billy Joe Patton thanks Billy Joe you're welcome Joe Billy Joe Patton was there and our Gaelic football coverage and off the ball is in partnership with AIB proud sponsors of GA Senior Football Championship you can check out the hashtag the toughest for more we'll take a short break